0: It is always a blessing and a privilege to be back here with you. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to come and to be a part of your missions month. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do here this morning, but this month as well as God challenges your hearts and your minds with the thought of reaching the world with the gospel. Uh, Thank you for the hospitality. Thank you for... The handshakes and the people that have come up and, and let us know that they've been praying for us, that really means a lot. Every time we're here, I do my best to stay on your good side, which means letting you out early, right? Because <laughs> no one likes missionaries that keep them here longer than what the pastor keeps them here. So I'm going to do my best to continue that trend so that every time you think of me, see, you think when you think of the Johns, you're just like, oh yeah, we like them. You don't realize why. It's because I try to let you out early every time I'm here, and that keeps me in your good graces. So let's try and make sure that, uh, that we, we stay on that same track. You know, as a people group, as human beings, we tend to be pretty nosy, right? We are experts on what other people should do with their finances, with their time, their relationships, And we second-guess their decisions all the time while simultaneously being enraged when someone dares second-guess our judgment or talk about something that's going on in our lives. It's really amazing how we do that. You know, we're in good company because this is not a 21st century problem. No doubt someone at the church in Jerusalem wondered how Peter could afford such a nice horse on a pastor's salary or other things. They questioned how Jeremiah could live on the nice side of town being a prophet. You know, this goes back a long way. It's been something that we as human beings have always done. Our passage that we're going to look at today is no exception. One group of good Christians criticizing someone for what they chose to do with their money. In fact, in the passage we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see three groups of people. And I want to ask you this morning, as we look at these three groups of people, to ask God to show you, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what group you fall into this morning. Because I believe that every single one of us fall into one of these groups. And if God can show us, He can not only show it to us, but He can challenge us and change us, According to his word. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter number 14 this morning, and we're going to read just a couple of verses from Mark chapter number 14. If you would stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God, we're just going to read a few verses, Mark chapter number 14, and we're going to pray and ask God to help us. Mark chapter number 14, and in verse number 3, the Bible says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence, and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, For for ye have the poor with you always." And whensoever ye will, ye may do good unto them, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of spoken of for a memorial of her dear heavenly father lord i thank you for this time that we can spend in your word god i pray that you would take me as your servant empty me of any self and any sin fill me with your spirit hide me behind the cross that it might be all of you and none of me lord i pray that as i speak to ears this morning that you would speak to hearts and do the work that only you can we ask this and pray in jesus name and for his sake amen thank you you can be seated This morning, I want to preach a message to you entitled, Why the Waste? Why the Waste? In our passage, we see three groups of people. And as I said before, I believe that every single one of us here this morning can find ourselves in one of these three groups. And in understanding where we are, we can ask God to help us either remain there or take us to a level that we've never been at in our service for Him. The first group that I find in this passage, I believe we find in verse number three. The Bible says, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. This first group of people I call the convinced, the convinced. This group of people is completely convinced that Jesus Christ is worth it. They're completely convinced that Jesus Christ is worth it. And I believe they show that in two ways. The first way that they show it is in saving. The Bible says here that she brought this box of ointment, this box of very precious ointment. But, but I ask yourself, I ask yourself this morning, where did she get the money to buy this ointment in the first place? The Bible says that this box was worth about 300, the, 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 the unit of, of measure, the unit of money here would be 300 denarii, 300 denarii. Now that doesn't really mean anything to us, but 300, uh, one denarius was about one day's wage, one day's wage. So if you have a denarius being the amount of money that you would be paid for working one day, and in those days you worked six days a week, not five days a week like we do today, 300 denarii would be equivalent of about 300 days wages. Now, 300 days wages would is about a year's worth of work. If you work six days a week, 300 denarii gives you about one year's worth of savings. Now, let's scroll that forward to 2023. In 2023, the average yearly wage in the United States, remember, 300 denarii being one year's worth of income, the average yearly income in the United States of America today is $60,575. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I wish, right? And some of you are thinking, is that it? Really? Am I doing that? Well, you know, that's $60,000 or so. dollars. Now, let me ask you this question how long does it take to save one years income now it's it's one year's worth of income but as you all know you can't save one years of income in one year because you have to live off of that income so how long does it save How long does it take to save one year's worth of income? Some of us are saying, well, it's taken my whole life because I still haven't gotten there yet, right? $60,000 in the bank. Some of you are saying, well, I wish I could get there. It's taken me 20, 30 years to get that. But let's assume, let's assume that you were able to save 10% of your income per year. If you could save 10% of your income per year, then it would take you about 10 years, to save one year's worth of income. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of savings. Now, let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to take 10 years worth of savings and use it all at one moment? If you go on the website for the Chanel brand, there's a lot of ladies here know the Chanel brand of perfume. If you go on their website, the most expensive bottle of perfume that they have is called Chanel Gardenia. It's worth 17, it would cost you $17,000 to buy that bottle of perfume. It costs $550 per ounce. Stop and think about that. per ounce, $17,000 for a bottle of perfume. Now, let me ask you this question. If you had that bottle of perfume, ladies, if you had that bottle of perfume, how would you use it? Would you use it every day? Would you, when the, when the kids come into the room and you're, you're spraying the perfume on, would you let them just take it out and play with it? You know, just use it on their dolls and all around the house, you know, spraying it in the bathroom. Would you use it in that way? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. So let me ask you a question. If you had a $17,000 bottle of perfume, what would it take to get you to use all of the perfume for one event? Could you imagine? A $17,000 bottle of perfume, and you're willing to use it all at once. That's what Mary did in this passage. But it wasn't 17000 In our equivalent, it would be over 60000 Now, I ask you this question. What would the purpose of this action be? I've thought about this. I've read through this passage. I've considered this. What in the world would be the purpose of taking a $60,000 bottle of perfume and breaking it open all at one time and pouring it on top of Jesus' head? Why in the world would you do that? And there's only one thing that I could come up with just to show Jesus that he's worth it. That's the only thing I can think of. She took a $60,000 box of ointment, broke it open, dumped the entire thing on top of his head just to show Jesus, Jesus, you're worth it. I can't even imagine all of the savings, all of the money, the entire lifetime of, of putting this together just to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you're not just worth 10 years, you're worth everything that I've got. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at the the convinced, And he commends her in verse number nine. He says, verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial for her. Do you know what that means? That means in 2023, when we're still preaching this same gospel, Jesus' words are true because we're still talking about her story. She broke it open just to say, Jesus, you're worth it. Because she was convinced, But not only do we see the convinced in this story, in verse number four, we see the conflicted. Look with me in verse number four. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured against her. See, the convinced look and say, I am 100% sure that Jesus is worth it. The conflicted look and they don't say, the, the people did not look and say, Jesus is not worth it. They looked and they said, I'm not certain that Jesus is worth that much of a sacrifice. See, this is the problem that we always have as Christians. We have to assign a value to God. See, we're here this morning because we believe that Jesus is worth something. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Why come to church on a Sunday morning when you could be at home sleeping in, you could be out camping, you could be out fishing, you could be doing tons of other things. Why are you here this morning? You're here because you believe that Jesus is worth something. But all of us have the limit as to what we believe that Jesus is worth. See, we look at someone like Brother Brandon, we look and we say, I believe that Jesus is worth coming to church on on Sunday morning, but I don't know that Jesus is worth adopting a child that needs help. I don't know that Jesus is worth going and, and living off of $800 a month. I'm sure that Jesus is worth something. I'm just not sure he's worth that much. See, for some of us, we look and we say, well, I'm certain that Jesus is worth coming back to church on Sunday, coming to church on Sunday morning, but I'm not sure about Sunday night. I'm not sure about Wednesday. I'm not sure about a men's conference. I'm not sure about a softball tournament. I'm not sure that Jesus is worth that much. And we look and we say, I know that, Je- listen, I know that Jesus is worth my ties, but missions too? I mean, I understand that we need to get the gospel out to the world, but really, Pastor wants me to raise raise the amount that I'm giving in order to do that? Pastor, I've got bills. Pastor, I've got things that I need to pay. Pastor, things are going up. Food is more expensive. Housing is more expensive. Gas is through the roof. Pastor, I understand that Jesus is worth something, but come on. Are you certain that he's worth that much? See, you remember Barnabas? When I tell you this has always been a problem, that's what I mean. You remember Barnabas in in, in the Word of God in Acts chapter number 5? Barnabas went out and he sold a property, right? And the Bible says that Barnabas came and he laid the money for the sale of the property at Jesus' feet. In the very next chapter, who are we introduced to? Ananias and Sapphira. They said... We believe that God is worth something, right? Listen, they didn't steal all of the money. They took part of the money, and they were willing to give a part of the money. They looked, and they said, we believe that the work of the Lord is worth something. We just don't believe it's worth that much. So they kept back a portion. And Peter looks at them and he says, it was yours. What are you talking about? You could have done whatever you wanted with it. Why would you try, listen, and act like Jesus is worth more to you than he actually is? He said, you could have kept it all. You didn't have to give it. Listen, they were conflicted. And listen to what the conflicted always do. They looked and they said, to what purpose is this waste? Not saying that Jesus was a waste, but the waste of the amount of money that Jesus, that was spent on Jesus. Because they looked and said, listen, they looked and said, that could have been sold and given to the poor. See, when we're conflicted about what Jesus is worth to us, we will think of all the better ways that whatever God has called us to give can be spent. Oh, well, well, listen, I, I I know that God is calling me to give my life, but if I take my life and I do this and this and this, I could, listen, I know that God wants me to surrender to preach or to surrender to go to the mission field or, or surrender to work with young people or, or to surrender in whatever way that he's called me to. I know that that's what he's called me to do, but But listen, if I get a good job and I make a lot of money, then I can give more money back to Jesus, and that's going to be more effective than me giving my life. We rationalize. We look and we say, listen, there are better things, there are better ways to go about using my life, using my money. But listen, here's the problem. Were they going to give that money to the poor? No, of course not. See, with rationalization, we say all the ways that it could be done, but we never actually do the thing that we said we were going to do when we told God we couldn't do what he called us to do. They looked and they said, hey, this is a waste of money because there's other things that could be done. And listen, the conflicted always receive correction. Look at what Jesus says. And Jesus said, said, verse number six, let her, what's the next word? Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you so busy commenting on what she did while you don't do anything yourself. He said, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For the poor ye have always with you. He didn't look and say, it doesn't matter if you give to the poor. In fact, in the law, it was commanded that they provide for the poor. He didn't say giving to the poor is not a worthy cause. He said, it's just not as important as pouring it out on me. Listen, there are a lot of worthy things that you can do with your life. There are a lot of worthy things that you can do with your time. There are a lot of worthy things that you can do with your money. It's just not as important as pouring it out on Jesus. It doesn't mean they're not good. It doesn't mean that they're not biblical. But if it's holding us back, from moving from conflicted to convinced, then it's wrong and we need to let it go. We see the convinced. They're completely convinced that Jesus Christ is worth it. We see the conflicted. They look and they say, I know that Jesus is worth something. I'm just not sure that he's worth that much. And then lastly, in our passage here, we see in verse number 10, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. We have the convinced. We have the conflicted. But then here at the end of the passage, we have the corrupt. Listen, listen carefully. It's amazing that the impetus for Judas finally deciding to betray Jesus Christ was a financial issue. Immediately after Judas, which the other a parallel passage tells us he was the main one complaining about her, but not only her. The Bible says all of the people were saying this, but he was the main one leading it. Listen, it's no question in the Bible that directly after this happened, Judas decides to betray Christ, if I were to ask pastor, pastor, go back through all of the people that have left this church angry. How many of them are angry because of financial? Reasons. Oh, they're always asking us to give at that church. Man, they're just always one more project. I meant missions and then the, the Christian school and and all of these different things. Well, I'm just tired of people always asking me for my money. They just, that, man, I tell you, those churches, they'll just cheat you out of everything that you got. You got to watch out for them. You know it because you heard, you've heard it before and if you haven't heard it, it may be because you may be the one saying it. Listen, when people mess with our finances, we get upset. Judas went and betrayed Jesus. The main instigator was this situation because he was corrupt. But hold on for a second. Because we're not good with money, transactions, understanding what the conversion rates are, I'm going to ask you to help me. How much did Judas betray Jesus for? You know that, right? How much was it? Thirty pieces of silver. We're all familiar with that. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26. you're familiar? You know that. Thirty pieces of silver. But here's the question. In verse number 14, the Bible says, this is a parallel passage. If you look at, starting at verse number six, Jesus is in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper. There comes a woman having an alabaster box, pours it on his head. They, the, the disciples have indignation. We're familiar with this. But the Bible says very specifically in verse number 15, and said unto them, Judas, speaking unto the chief priest, what will ye give me that I deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of Of silver. Here's the question. We know that that box could have been sold for 300 pence, 300 denarii, 300 days' wages. The question is how much is 30 pieces of silver? Well, 30 shekels of silver, pieces of silver, was about six weeks' wages. Six weeks. 300 denarii is about a year's worth of savings. By common standards, 30 shekels of silver was about $5,000. Listen, Mary was willing to pour $60,000 out on Jesus' head just to show him he was worth it. Judas says, I'll give him up for a couple of weeks worth of work. How do you reconcile the two? Judas looked and he said, Jesus isn't worth anything to me. How much will you give me? I'll take the best deal I can get. And listen, I believe that there are people, there are people that may come to this church that call themselves Christians that will sell out Jesus Christ for whatever they can get. If the boss offers them a raise and it means not being able to be in church, they'll take it. If 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 somebody says, hey, we can give you a better deal on your cable and you can get upgraded internet speed and you can get more minutes on your phone and more data, they'll look and they'll never complain about paying the cable company, about paying the cell phone company. But if the preacher says something about giving more to Jesus, they look and they say, why is he always after my money? How do you reconcile the two? How do you reconcile that that, that the gas company can make record profits of $20 billion last quarter and you go to the pump and you never complain about paying for gas, but if the preacher says, can you give $10 a month more so that we can get another missionary of the field, you say, why are they after my money all the time? How does that happen? How did it happen to Judas? Because Judas said, Jesus isn't worth anything at all. He's not worth it. So I'll take whatever I can get. Listen, how much you love someone is always dependent, is always, excuse me, signified by how much you're willing to spend on them. Ladies, don't you know that to be true? You look at your husbands and you say, oh, you say you love me. Oh, you say you love me. That's great. How are we going to show that? Put a diamond ring on my finger, right? Is that it? Really? Is that, that that's all that you love? You, right, ladies, we look and we say, well, if you love me, prove it. You know what? Jesus says the same thing. If you love me, prove it. How much are you willing just to waste on Jesus? How much are you willing to give just to say, Jesus, you're 100% worth it. I'll give everything that I have. Let me ask you, where do you find yourself today? Which category? Are you here this morning and you're convinced that Jesus is worth it, that nothing that he could ask of you up to and including your life is off limits because he's worth it? Or are you in the second category of the conflicted? You're just not sure. Listen, if you find yourself in that category, if you're sitting here wondering, oh, my goodness, another missions month. Oh, we've got all these missionaries that are coming in. Oh, we're going to have to give more money. It's going to cost us more. I just don't know if it's worth that much. Ask God to help you this morning. Ask God to move you from the conflicted into the convinced category because listen, it's a very easy slide to move from the conflicted to the corrupt where you say, you know what? I've decided Jesus just isn't worth anything at all. And you'll be out the door. You'll be living, you'll be ruining your life, living for things that don't matter because you were determined that Jesus just wasn't worth it. Where do you find yourself this morning? I pray that no one that sits here this morning finds himself in that last category of the corrupt. I don't think that you would be here this morning if you were, but listen, I don't know your heart. God does. If you find yourself there fall on your knees and repent and say, God, I don't want to be Judas who's willing to sell you out for anything because I don't believe that you're worth it. Ask yourself this morning, and I believe that if you do, the Holy Spirit will convict your heart and will show you where you are and not only where you are, where you need to be. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we could spend in your word. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. God, I believe that there are many, 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 many people here this morning that find themselves in the convinced category. They look and they say, God, you're worth it. That's why they give. That's why they serve. That's why they do what they do. They drive vans. They show up early. They stay late because, God, you are worth it. God, but I know in a crowd this size that not everybody is there that there's a lot of people who find themselves like the disciples who were followers of Jesus Christ that are looking and saying, I'm just not sure. God, would you help them this morning? God, would you touch their hearts? God, would you show them, convince them that you're worth whatever you're asking of them? That there's no better investment of their time, their talents, their treasures that in the work of God. That never is it a waste to serve you. And God, there may be some here that are corrupt. Lord, they may be corrupt because they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. They don't know you. They're like Judas. They're serving on the outside. But on the inside, they have no relationship. God, I pray that you would challenge them from your word this morning. God, would you do a work in each of our hearts. Lord, we're asking for you to do something in this missions month. That you would help this church and your people to do more than they ever have before to see this world reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Pastor, would you come?